It is a sea, though they call it sand. They call it sand because it is still and red and dense with grains. They call it sand because the thin wind whips it and whirls its dusty skim away to the tight horizons of Mars. But only a sea could so brood with the memory of eons. Only a sea, lying so silent beneath the high skies, could hint the mystery of life still behind its barren veil. To practical rational man it is the Xanthi Desert. Whatever else he might unwittingly be, S. Newell Eli considered himself a practical rational man, and it was across the bumpy sands of the Xanthi Desert that he guided his groundcar westward with that somewhat cautious proficiency that mistrusts its own mastery of the machine. Maya Karen Nome, his colleague in this mission to which he had addressed himself, was a silent companion. Newell's liquid brown eyes, insistent upon their visual clarity, saw the red sand as the blowing surface of unliving solidity. Only clarity was admitted to Newell, and the only living clarity was man and beast and vegetation, spotted in the dome cities and dome farms of the lowlands. He and Maya scurried, transiting sparks of the only life, insecure and hastening in the absence of the net of roads which eventually would bind the Martian surface to human reality from the toeholds of the dome cities. In that opposite world which was the other side of the ground car's seat, Maya Karen Nome's opaque black eyes struggled against the surface. They struggled not from any rational motivation, but from long stubbornness, from habit, as a fly kicks six-legged and constant against the surface tension of a trapping pool. Formerly, Maya was allied to Newell's clarity and solidity, and she could express this alliance with complete logic if called on. But behind the casually blowing sand she sensed a depth. The shimmering atmosphere, hostile to man, which sealed the red desert was a lens that distorted and concealed by its intervention. The ground car was a mechanical bug, an alienness with which timorous man had allied himself. Allied with it against reality, she and Newell were hastened by it through reality unseeing toward the goal of a more comfortable unreality. The ground car bumped and slithered, and an orange dust cloud boiled up from its broad tires and wafted away across the sculpted sand. The desert stretched away, silent and empty, to the distant horizon, the ground car the only humming disturbance of its silence and emptiness. The steel-blue sky shimmered above, a lens capping the red surface. The ground car rolled westward, slashing toward its goal from the distant lowland of Solus Lacus. Far away, two men, machineless, plotted this same Xanthi desert toward the same goal, but they plotted southward, approaching on a different radius. They were naked. In a thin atmosphere, without sufficient oxygen to support animal life or even the higher forms of terrestrial plant life, they wore no Mars suits, no helmets, no oxygen tanks. The man who walked in front was tall, erect, powerfully muscled. His features and short-clipped hair were coarse, but self-assured intelligence shone in his smoky eyes. 
He moved across the loose sand, barefoot, with easy grace. The man that shambled behind him was as tall, but appeared shorter and even more muscular, because his shoulders and head were hunched forward. His even coarser face was characterized by vacuously slack mouth and blue eyes empty of any expression except an occasional brief frown of puzzlement. Toward a focal point. From the east, two people. From the north, two people. If, in the efficient self-assurance of Adam Hennessy, could be paralleled a variant harmony with the insistent surfaceness of S. Newell Eli, does any coincidental parallelism exist between Brute Hennessy and Maya Karanome? Puzzlement was the climate of Brute's mind. This surface film of things through which he plowed his way, the swarming currents below the surface, all were chaos.